Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Did You Know Crypto podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Vin Armani about the cults of Bitcoin, kind of talking about the religious nature and the theological aspects of the different cults of Bitcoin, whether it's the store of value, the electronic cash, or kind of this cult of personality and maidenettes. Bitcoin is everything that is found within BSV. It's a really, really interesting discussion. I always uh, really enjoy talking to Vin about these kind of uh, more esoteric topics that we don't often discuss in Bitcoin. We more focus on the technology, how things are going to be implemented, how to gain more adoption, um, how to convince people what's better, um, those types of things. But I think uh, one of the important aspects is recognizing how Bitcoin affects people. And once we realize that, we will be able to better help people to get involved in Bitcoin, right? Because if you don't understand why people would like it or why people don't like what you're trying to sell them, you're never going to be able to sell them anything. So anyways, uh, if you guys could really quick, though, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, uh, written review as well. That really helps out. It's the biggest thing you can do. Also, go over to supportmypodcast.com. That's supportmypodcast.com. And... I'm going to be introducing very soon a discount program. So that's at the same website, supportmypodcast.com slash discounts. And you can sign up right now. And pretty soon we'll be offering discounts on everything from health products to Trezors to Keep Keys, Bitcoin merchandise, t-shirts, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, just head on over, sign up, and uh, we'll be uh, offering you guys some value back for for being supporters and, and listeners of the podcast. So I want to thank you, though, real quick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving reviews. Thanks for following on social media. It's a really huge help, and I really do appreciate it. So enjoy the show. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the show Vin Armani, CTO of Cointex, founder of CounterMarkets, Bitcoin Cash Evangelist, author of Self-Ownership and Serial Entrepreneur. Vin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back on, Dustin. I've really been enjoying the work that you've been doing lately, so uh, so I was really happy when you reached out. All right. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's been... Uh... It's been interesting uh, as as this thing has kind of been uh, evolving over time, and you know, kind of we were talking just right before we uh, uh, started recording uh, the last episode that I did about uh, toxicity and Bitcoin, and and that kind of really kind of fit into a article that you just released on Counter Markets, uh, kind of talking about the the cult of Bitcoin and kind of the different factions uh, within mm-hmm. the cult. So. Uh, maybe we should just kind of start off because a lot of people probably, uh, m- you know, may not be kind of familiar with these kind of somewhat inside baseball, I guess, kind of discussions that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of discuss the the concept of the cult and that it's, you know, first off, it's not a it's not a negative thing. It's just a, a description no. of something that exists. Yeah. So I'm using cult basically to mean a a small community that is in some ways a self-enclosed religious group or organization. So a cult is sort of like uh, it's it's a religion that is 
where you have kind of access to all of the members in a way. I like to think of it that that's the easiest way that it's like you can sort of draw a circle around who are the people who are part of X. And once it gets much bigger than that to where there's like this sort of global community, nameless, faceless sort of numbers from all over the place, all types of different countries and whatnot, no real specific leader that you can point to, maybe even some people who follow the ideology, but they don't even really talk to anyone. Else. Like there are lots of Christians out there who are like, I'm a Christian, but they don't go to church. They don't really hang out with other Christians. It's not that religion is a huge part of their life, but they're like, no, but you know, I'm, I'm a Christian I, or I'm a Buddhist or whatever it is. Uh, those that's when you start really getting into that. It's a religion. So I'm basically talking about kind of like a mini religion and, and by religion, uh, Emil Durkheim, who is sort of the sociological, I guess he's the guy that everybody looks to for the academic description of religion. So his description is that basically it is a community of people who have a set of beliefs and practices that encompass the what he calls the sacred and the profane and that the group of the, them all together form a church. And so what he means by sacred and profane is that they have some things, usually these are kind of arbitrary um, things, either certain holidays, certain ritual practice, what we would consider ritual practices, certain beliefs about the world or about people or about uh, even let's say other people, uh, other tribes or whatever it is, that those beliefs are considered sacred uh, and that other beliefs are considered sort of profane or, or mundane. And the sacred doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's good. It could also be things that are bad. So it's like prohibited things as well uh, would fall within the sacred. And so these are things like dietary restrictions, sexual practices, you know, keep the Sabbath, you know, oh, on, on Sunday you go to church, like that's what you do, uh, you know, the Eucharist or, uh, you know, Hanukkah celebration. Um, we just got done with Ramadan. So it's like to have a period of fasting that's like this, this sacred and holy thing. These are the sacred practices. And usually to the outside world, to somebody who's not in that religion, these can be, they can look super weird. They can make no sense uh, because they don't. That's one of the most important things about them is that, you know, you can try and go and explain and rationalize and think about like, well, how did this come into being? Like the, for, for instance, like the Jewish practice of uh, not eating shellfish. You know, you're like, well, maybe it was because back in the day they didn't have good refrigeration and blah, blah, blah. But that's not certainly not the case now. That's not why they don't that's not why it's prohibited now. So uh, this is just something where it's like, well, the reason that we do it is because it's part of our sacred practice and it makes us a part of the church to participate in this practice. And so what I was doing in the article was basically applying that framework to some of the things going on in Bitcoin. Particularly, it's been really interesting now that we have had the Bitcoin SV split that we have these Actually, for people within Bitcoin, these three, and maybe even people from outside of Bitcoin, if they were to just look in on the conversations, um, three, what I call Bitcoin cults, as in BTC, uh, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, that um, 
that have some very uh some very uh, some views that are even diametrically opposed in terms of their their ideology um and to think that they all sort of sprung out of the same thing within the past decade is really weird when you look at some of the things that that uh that are believed and so that's what i was basically going into as i was saying particularly as an entrepreneur because that's what we we cover in counter markets if you could figure out this and decode it how could you um better build a business or decide which community you might want to build your project within yeah you know it's it's interesting because you talk about uh, just just stepping back just a little bit with um, the the practices and let's say you know like you brought up Judaism not eating shellfish and that there may have been same thing with uh, uh, not eating um, a pig and and within other uh, religions as well is that there there's been speculation of it being you know because of certain diseases that may have been caused and that this may have just developed into a religious practice because it was actually a good hygienic practice the same way of um, you know washing your hands ritualistically mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff but. You know, that's it's interesting because it's not just in traditional religion, because you see that in all different ways. Like when I was in the Marine Corps, we had that, like it was, especially in the Marine Corps, uh, it's a tradition is a big, mm-hmm. big thing. And especially since it's the smallest, it's it's uh, kind of uh, especially within it has this cut. It's very much a cult um, mm-hmm. uh, within it where you have. Uh, you have these sacred figures, you have the origin story of mm-hmm. basically a bunch of uh, a recruiter going and recruiting a bunch of drunk people in a bar back in uh, the Revolutionary War times was basically the, the origin story of it. And and from there you have kind of this uh, timeline of this building of, of tradition, you know, and you have things like on your dress blues uniform, you have these red stripes down the side and they signify a certain battle and all that kind of stuff. You have certain rituals that you do when you pick up certain ranks and all that. It's really interesting as you start to look at all these different groups, uh, you know, as I'm starting to examine Bitcoin in this same fashion. And then I kind of look back at my own experience and, and you kind of look back and see how important it is because tradition and, and ritual is extremely important for any kind of group that wants to, survive and mm-hmm. uh and thrive and once i i and to me my my takeaway um from what you see with with religions that are um, that have either thrived or religions that have started to die off or are waning or or whatever when you look through their histories is that the breakdown in the ritual process and the breakdown in and the kind of community recognition of those rituals is what kind of starts to be a canary in the coal mine of its of its demise mm-hmm. and you know, and within Bitcoin, we kind of see that, and you talk about that in in, in the article and counter markets. If I, if I'm not mistaken, you when you sign up, you get your first issue free, right? That's right. You get the current issue, so you get whatever the current issue is. So uh, it'll be out by the time this this is uh, that this episode is out. So if people want to check okay. this article out, it's a great time to get your first uh, issue of counter markets. So counter markets stuff. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, and I'll link to that uh, in the in the show notes as well, but. When you you talked about, and I'll, I'll have you kind of go uh, deeper into the, uh, this aspect of it, but in each cult of Bitcoin and BTC and BCH and, and BSV, uh, it's kind of the, the 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 largest of the groups that we see. Um, I'm not really aware of within 
like super Bitcoin or, you know, the other 400 different versions. I don't, see, I don't think that they're, I don't think that those actually have a cult around them. So and I think that's why you don't really ever hear about them. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and they all have their specific, I guess, if you, if you want to use the term sacraments and if you, and, um, and rituals that, that one outwardly does. Right. So in, uh, as, um, as a, uh, as with Catholics during like Easter, right. You'll do stations of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have the Ash Wednesday services. Um, you have the normal Sunday services and all that kind of stuff. And that's an outward expression to let everybody know mm-hmm. that you belong to, to this group. Whereas with, you know, uh, with Bitcoin, you, you talk about that as being kind of the, the full node operation with, with uh, Bitcoin cash. It's kind of more the, the, peer-to-peer um, um, spending of that on daily transactions. Mm-hmm. And well, I'll let you explain it. You, you're uh, much more articulate than I'll probably be uh, for this. So you know, first, first, the first thing that I want to say is like totally uh, great connection there on the military front. Um, you know, that the military traditions uh, are all about building co- cohesion. And so you might say that in terms of applied religion and this sort of applied ritual for a a strong purpose, um, you know, the American military and British military are perhaps the greatest uh, currently existing. So those are some very strong religions. And you'll notice that, you know, it stays like the whole thing is that you're never not a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So that's it, you know, blood in, blood out. That's interesting as well. You, you know, you have the same thing with uh, with street gangs too, like the, the the street gangs that have been around for a long time. They have their interesting rituals as well. Nothing near, obviously, as, as uh, pronounced and sort of systematized as the military. But this was, this was one reason that um, in like April, when I was looking at Bitcoin SV, it really occurred to me that they had the most religious like in that they had the the strongest cohesion through ritual and sacred beliefs of any of the cults. And it really sort of threw me for a loop. And I actually tweeted out, I was like, you know what? I've been totally wrong about Bitcoin SV this whole time. Uh, you know, it's it's a real people like poo poo it. You know, uh, Vitalik just came out and was like, "Well, it's obviously just a scam," and it's like, eh, I don't know, dude. Uh, if I have to bet on what's going to last as a community, and money is a community. At the end of the day, money is a community. It's the community of people who who uh, believe that what you have in your pocket is worth a damn. So Bitcoin is a community. It's a community of people who believe that Bitcoin is actually worth something. And that's actually new. So if I've got a bet on a community surviving, I'm going to bet on the one that's got great rituals because I look at the communities that have survived, Marine Corps, great example, and thrived and are able to continue to do so. They're chock full of ritual. They have very strong sacred beliefs, uh, both prohibitions against things and also things prescriptions things that you must do um in terms of of clothing but you know they also have an actual figurehead which helps right it helps to have an actual prophet or an actual human that you could look to which you know if you look at the great religions in the world uh 
Christianity named after Christ. You know what I mean? Uh, they used to call uh, Islamic people in the West, they call, used to call them Mohammedans uh, because of Mohammed, Buddhism, obviously, Confucianism, right? These are all people. It's all people. So they've got that. The other ones don't. Um, in terms of the actual, the, the, the rituals that I talked about, because I thought that these were some where these were actual like outward practices, as you say, uh, BTC, you will see a theme running through. And mind you, some of this, once you get to a certain point and you've sort of bought into the cult and you're following along that ideology, it's sort of got you. And so your value system determines what your next move is going to be at any given time and, and what you think is valuable, what you are prohibited from doing. So very much the idea of running my own node. That is a, a, an incredibly strong uh, ritualistic and ideological religious viewpoint of the BTC stalwarts, those who are within the cult. Now, mind you, not everybody who holds BTC is fully in the cult. Not everybody who holds BCH or anything like that. I'm talking about the people who are basically considered the thought leaders who move that particular culture forward. Many of the developers, I mean, you know the names. You've, you've interviewed some of them on this show, you know. So um, running your own node, in some ways, if you, if you take it in that context, you can start to see that that's actually what the BCH-BTC split was about. That's actually what small blocks is about. Because the whole idea of small blocks, uh, if, you, if you take the, the word of a BTC maximalist, is have decentralization but it's really underneath it it's all to say i want to be able to run my own node and i want the maximum number of people to be able to participate in this ritual because this ritual is very important and it is very important i mean this was the original it's it's the necessary ritual of bitcoin it's the ritual that satoshi did it's the ritual that hal finney did um there was a point in time early bitcoiners where if you weren't running a node, there was no other way for you to acquire or send Bitcoin at all. You had to be running a node. So this is, uh, you know, this is an ancient ritual that they didn't want to give up. Um, and that's, you know what, that is going to create an issue with a group of people for whom it is not that important. So for me, when I got my first Bitcoin in 2012, and I think that this is sort of what separates the people who got in, in like, mid 2012 from before is that the blockchain wallet was out and so and that was a great wallet it, it still still would hold up um that I, I i i didn't have to run a node i didn't run a node until years later but yet i had bitcoin i got bitcoin i sent bitcoin to people i got other people installing the blockchain wallet and whatnot so you get these group of this group of people and they have a, a different impression of what Bitcoin should be and that so much of it in, in BCH, and particularly this is obviously where Roger is coming from, right? What is the, what is the mantra? Peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash for the world. Peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash for the world. It's about spending. It's about spending. It's about spending. And so it isn't just like onboarding. Onboarding people is great and sending it is great, but like, BCH, more than any of the uh, the cults, 
when you see the virtue signaling, the virtue signaling is about I bought something with BCH. It's about, oh, here's pictures of us at a meetup paying for something, paying for food, paying for drinks, purchasing, making purchases, moving it around. So, and this is really where I, this is where I come from myself. So uh, that was always what Bitcoin has been to me. And it's why I've gravitated and I feel very much at home in that milieu, in that environment. So then you have BSV and you'll, you'll note that most of the people in BSV are significantly, well, actually what's inter- really interesting about them is most of them came in after the bubble of uh, late 2017, early 2018. And so the value proposition, what, what they got, what they missed out on is they missed out on, uh, you know, sitting on buying a little bit of Bitcoin because it was kind of cool and interesting. And then all of a sudden I'm rich. Like they missed out on that. That just wasn't there. And Bitcoin as it had been this interesting speculative thing. So HODL doesn't even resonate with them. There's like, why would they HODL? As a matter of fact, for many of them, depending on when they get in, the price was steadily in decline from the time that they got in. So HODL is really actually the stupidest thing that you could do. Um, But now what has happened is Craig Wright came along. They're there. He's an, he's look, he's a fascinating person. He's, he's, uh, um, you can't, he's somebody you can't not talk about. Uh, cause he's just, he's, he's fascinating. He's absolutely fascinating. The fact that he would claim to be Satoshi Nakamoto, the fact that he, that, that he has the personality that he does and all of this, he's he, in that way, he's great for the space. In a lot of ways, he's terrible for the space. But Magnetic drew a lot of people in. There's an interesting narrative, something they can participate in, I think, especially for a lot of young men um, who maybe haven't fully formed their, don't have their moral compass fully there. And a lot of people who were not necessarily full blast libertarians. That's another thing about that later group of people that came in was that initially it was really this very libertarian anarchist thing. But, you know, with that 2018 run-up, you had these people coming in who were not necessarily in it for ideological reasons. And they look at this guy, and he's telling them, I'm going to make this the money for the world. Anyone who jumps in now is going to be rich. So you get that. So I'm going to follow this guy to the promised land, right? He's going to lead me to the promised land. I'm going to go. And he gave a, a, he, there were already people that were, and for a long time, it's been the case, using the Bitcoin blockchain for uploading non-monetary data. But it was sort of frowned upon by many communities, considered spam, not useful. You know, all of us who have been here for a while are like, that's a terrible use for a blockchain. All of a sudden, this guy comes along and says, actually, no, not only is that a, not a terrible use for a blockchain. I've got this idea about MetaNet. I'm going to put the whole internet on the blockchain. So you've got the few people, people like Unwriter, who are talented developers, but who are sort of working in this very niche um, portion of Bitcoin and not really getting a ton of credit for actually being pretty good and pretty innovative developers. They all flock to that. So you got those developers. There was some money involved. 
in terms of investments coming from Enchain and CoinGeek. And so what you ended up with was they needed to find a ritual too. Uh, so they've got two, they've basically developed two rituals. One is obviously uh, uploading to the blockchain um, and uploading data, so images and whatnot. So you can virtue signal with that. That's really easy to virtue signal with on on the internet because you could just on, on social media because you could just put a link to whatever it was. But the other one, and you'll see that now they have just done sort of an upgrade to it. That's that's even better uh, for for them and for virtue signaling has been um, the hand cash handles the wallet. So like I found I I've been fascinated by the Bitcoin SV. They have this little channel these guys from Britain do that's on YouTube and at some point in the show they basically do the Eucharist, their version of the Eucharist where they're like, "All right, everybody, I'm going to ping you I'm going to ding you some dong." That's what they call it because it makes a little ding dong noise. "I'm going to ding you some dong. Everybody, put your handles into the chat room and everybody puts their handles in and then he's like all right i'm sending this person this person this person and i'm like oh there's your ritual like you literally have a ritual with your name that you get to put there with the little hand cash handle now they've done something called paymail which makes it look like an email and you can buy and sell those as well so it's like little religious tchotchkes and icons and stuff the type of thing that that gets sold in the eastern orthodox religion which I think, you know, for that it's those sorts of things where I'm like, don't count BSV out. But those are the basic things. I, I went really long-winded with that. But those are the basic, uh, the basic rituals that I'm talking about. But obviously, there are more and more beliefs. And people who have been around this community uh, can, are probably thinking of those things in their head right now as well. No, yeah, d- definitely. You know, you, I was just thinking when you were talking about how uh, back to Bitcoin wanting to be able to have people participate in in that ritual of the of the running of the full node, and that you know that just kind of reminded me you know back to the religious aspect and um, you know within the Mormon Church you know the concept of the you know the temple the temple wedding mm-hmm. um, you can only do that uh, once you become a fully you know invested member of the church after after a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess same thing goes for Catholicism and, and to a lesser degree, depending on Anglican and, and, and Lutheran churches. Right. But you have those aspects of, well, you can't participate in communion of the Eucharist and, and different denominations have different views of what the actual Eucharist is, uh, symbolic versus actual um, mm-hmm. um, uh, physical representation. And by the way, that was a that, that was a cause for war. The whole transubstantiation thing. People died over, am I really eating? Does it really become the flesh and blood of Jesus? Or is it just symbolic? People died over over that fight. Well, people died as well. I remember uh, over over simpler rituals. So uh, I, I, I'm not, it's been a while. I'm not sure on the exact dates. But when I, I grew up in Alaska and there's a group mm. of Russian Orthodox people and they're, they're Russian by nationality, or I should say by ethnicity as well, they're Slavic. They came over, I want to say back in the 1800s, they, they call, we, we always called them the old believers. And mm. what it was is they, they'd been chased out of Western uh, Slavic Russia. They, uh, uh, they disagreed over, it was, it was uh, icons as well as something as simple. We think it's pretty idiotic or, or not idiotic, but that, that might be too strong, but uh 
as mundane as how many fingers you do the sign of the cross with. Right. Exactly. Yes. And they were chased out of Moscow for that specific reason into Siberia. They ended up getting, it was, it was one of the earlier pogroms that they had there. They got chased Hmm. out of Siberia into Alaska um, during the early Russian outposts. And they still live there. They still live a very traditional life. Um, they're not Amish in that they uh, give up technology, but the women all wear flower dresses and bonnets. The men all have mm-hmm. beards. They'll, they'll wear Western clothing, uh, but they all worship the same way as they did a long time ago. And it's funny because I, I, I studied Russian in, in school and they don't, if you try to talk to them, the modern Russian is totally different. It's like trying to talk mm. to somebody in, um, uh, you know, like old uh, Anglo-Saxon versus, you know, modern English. It's, it's very, very wow. different. But but to bring it back, I mean, they got chased out for just these very simple differences and and rituals. And uh, it is very interesting uh, to see that kind of occur within Bitcoin. At first, you know, I've I've done a lot more introspection um, over the last like probably six to eight months on my thoughts on Bitcoin. And, you know, I I remember when I, I, I was people have been listening I've, I've told the story or just kind of like my background before but when i kind of got back in i just kind of remembered back to when i was like in 2013 2014 that was kind of uh it was a little bit different then than it is now uh mm-hmm. or, or even in 2017 like 2015 it felt like that was kind of like right around when things got a lot more and i was at a stalker level right not actually involved uh <laughs> but it seemed like in 2013 people were it was a lot more open and friendly and everything like that within the community. But um, for a while there, I was going like, you know, I wish just everyone would just, you know, be friends with each other and, you know, we can have different projects, but, you know, it, and, and as I've come to understand is that it, it doesn't mean you have to be in a, you know, a, a jerk to other people, but mm-hmm. I do understand it better why people are that way and, and why that is, necessary like you know the more that i think about it the more i i would be worried about bitcoin in general whichever you know whatever project you want to say that you're part of i would be worried about that project if there wasn't some quote-unquote toxicity in in it because toxicity means people care well and and also it's part of the whole sacred thing right so you know you don't have to be a jerk to everybody but you but in order to have social cohesion, you're going to need to be a jerk to some people, uh, those people being apostates, right? So it's like the the two-minute hate in 1984, right? Emmanuel Goldstein, that there's two minutes a day that everybody gets up. They show a picture of Emmanuel Goldstein, and everybody just yells, ah, asshole, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, that, that it's very important to have a common enemy and to be able to throw stones at them. So even if that common enemy is, you know, as as the religion sort of grows and as it matures and evolves, the common enemy becomes abstracted. So, you know, I mean, in in certain uh, Protestant Christian faiths, not used as much, the term used as much by Catholics, but uh, the the concept of the devil or Satan is often referred to as the enemy. So that's the that is the uh, uh, manifestation or the archetype of the common enemy at which we are going to throw stones, the uh, a scapegoat of sorts. 
And so when you have, though, these small cults, especially ones that used to be together, um, that is going to manifest as an in, as individuals for sure. And so you've got, I think, um, coming from BCH and BSV, uh, the villain characters of BTC, I think a lot of that falls on Greg Maxwell. He's sort of like, I'm not talking about just the average people that people are like, oh, I really don't like this guy. I'm talking about the people who are seen as like the devil incarnate. And for the BTC people, that's Greg Maxwell. And then it's obvious for BCH. For BCH, it's it's Roger Veer. And for uh, BSV, it's Craig Wright. Uh, you know, and then there it's down from the hierarchy in, in terms of the lesser demons, right? But the devil himself, the devil himself is uh, in BCH is, is Roger Veer and in BSV is, uh, is Craig Wright. And in BTC, I mean, I would, it's, it's really diverse there, but I would say that it probably falls mostly on, uh, on Greg, Greg Maxwell's shoulders. So you, it's, it, it's not like you have to be a dick to everybody, but it's kind of like, you have to publicly hate on certain individuals so I know you're cool. So I know that you're one of us. And uh, it's, that's just a normal human process when it comes to community. That's just how it goes. Yeah, it's, it, that's kind of the, the most stark example. Like you brought it up earlier with, with BSV is that the difference with BSV than all the others is that it, it has a actual figurehead, right? It has a, uh, you know, kind of like a higher order figurehead. And then it kind of has that lesser order figurehead. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, uh, also in the shadows and, and, and part of it as well. Um, but it is very, uh, the, you know, I, I have to admit, I dismissed it. You know, I kind of just was waiting, you know, at some point, right. It's just going to implode and, right you know, that that's going to end. And, and um, I was talking to a, a, a mutual acquaintance of ours um, last night uh, about uh, some, some of the issues with, uh, or just the amount of money that's been invested in, in, in patents. And um, that is the, the amount, when you look at what it costs to um, file all these sorts of things mm-hmm. is that it's, it's no small amount of money. It's not like the copyright where that costs, you know, 55 bucks plus, a, right. I think it was like, you know, a few hundred dollars or $800 or whatever it was for an expedition fee right. or expediting fee. Um, this is like some real money being putting down. So uh, I think that at least definitely within that group, there's, there's real investment um, both mentally and, and of, of monetary value within it. It's, it's, it is, it is very interesting. Um, I keep on saying that, but it, it, it is. Well, it is. <laughs> it, because it is mark markedly different from to to me from BTC and, and BCH. Oh yes, and how it operates and the people that are that are involved, and also it it has been strangely magnetic uh, for for some people, um, mm-hmm. and and people that have been attracted to that. And then it's a weird transition. You see people that had one set of beliefs, and then it seems like within 30 to 60 days, you know, it, it's like, a, it's a mass turnaround. Um, it, you know, it's, it's like they went away on that, on that, um, on that retreat weekend just to yep. kind of get uh, their yep. chakras aligned 
And then all of a sudden they come back and they're trying to sell you flowers at the airport. Yep. That's it. That's it. Well, what, what I've, there's, I'm not going to name names, but there's a, an individual who, uh, I think you have had on the show, as a matter of fact, um, who I saw that change happen just in the last 60 days, but I am knowing this individual, um, and having spent time with this individual, like in person, in real life, like, and, and had some, some, you know, fairly personal conversations about some deep matters, um, I think that that transformation on this person's part is I I have to guess that it's the uh the the cult love bombing. So this is what's so interesting about BSV. To the outside, to the outside, um they appear to be very very prickly. They appear to be really nasty people a lot of them there's a lot of trolls i know that a lot of them have multiple accounts that they use just to attack people just to brigade and all of that that's what it looks like externally and this was one of the reasons that i found uh you know watching i was obsessed for a few weeks and every day i would watch this bsv channel because it's 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 internal and it was, it's almost like I had broken up the party because I'd like show, I, I, at first I would just watch for about a week. And then I started showing up in the chat room just to see like my name pop up and then see what they would do because they interact with the chat room. And what was interesting was just watching them on their own. Yeah, they were talking crap about people externally, but the things that they were saying about, and this is a sort of a exceptionalism that really entered into Christianity with Calvin. Uh, this is this is what what Calvinism's main sort of uh, technology was was this idea of exceptionalism, which is now pervasive throughout, uh, especially evangelical uh, Christianity. This idea that the people who are here and who are involved with us are the most intelligent, most kind, most generous. If you're here, then I know you're intelligent. I know that you're super smart because. It's it's only the smartest people that are involved here. It's only the best people, and only us. We will be the only ones to to uh, really uh, thrive in this situation because we're the only ones who have the secret knowledge, and everybody else they just don't even know. And then half of them are half of the other people are evil, and that's really what's going on there. And it's just like you've got maximalists in uh, BTC who are prickly in that way towards, you know, like, especially like the Giacomo's and everything, but I actually like Giacomo. You know what I mean? Even though he'll, you know, still call me a scammer and all of that, we talk and we get along and we like each other. Um, But they don't have internally. You don't see that there's this sort of um, this love bombing of being like, yeah, because you're, you're, Holding, you're the greatest, smartest, most wonderful people. And oh, oh, you're great. And oh, I love you. And oh, you're so wonderful. And all of that, that doesn't happen. But yet, that's a very, very important part of quickly building a cohesive community around a set of ideals. The other two chains that we're mentioning, the communities aren't doing that. 
And I'm not saying that I want to see them do it, but I'm just saying when you see these things happening, you should take notice because that's actually the mark of the beginning of a successful cult. And successful cults sustain themselves. Hey folks, I hope that you're enjoying this episode as much as we did recording it. I don't have any sponsors, but if you could do me a big favor and go to iTunes and leave a five-star or a written review, that would help me out a lot. You can also help out by going to supportmypodcast.com. That's supportmypodcast.com, where you're going to find all the other ways that you can help out. If you actually go to the discounts tab, that's supportmypodcast.com slash discounts, you can get on an early mailing list and you will get access absolutely for free as a listener and supporter of this podcast to discounts for such things as VPNs, Bitcoin wallets, Bitcoin-related clothing, as well as other kind of health products that I think are very helpful for people to just live a better life. So go over to supportmypodcast.com slash discounts and sign up today. Yeah, they're, they're, you, you see that as... It, one of the things that I uh, talked about earlier was um, a little while back was Bitcoin as a somewhat similar to Hinduism in a way is that um, Hinduism had experienced kind of a, a major downfall when, when Buddhism, this is a very generalized mm -hmm. version of history, but mm -hmm. when Buddhism was in, in, introduced, it, it almost supplanted Hinduism in the Indian subcontinent. Mm -hmm. And basically what, what happened was that uh, portions of the of the of the Brahmin priesthood and all that kind of adopted elements of basically what was popular with the people mm -hmm. uh, with with Buddhism and they made that part of their belief system. They incorporated some of the the same deities and and um, and practices and and all that. And then eventually, um, over time, Hinduism recaptured its former. Um, spread on the Indian Indian subcontinent never really expanded past that that much, but mm -hmm. it did reclaim itself by doing that. And in a way, I always felt that Bitcoin was was somewhat like that in that it could um, absorb um, things out, out. You know that it, when we think about uh, you know if, if one project, you know when they talk about you know anonymity or or mm -hmm. whatever, right? And that kind of the definitely within the, the Bitcoin um, BTC crowd is that if something actually proves out to be, you know, useful and also secure and doesn't conflict with the other um, elements of Bitcoin and the game theory and all that kind of stuff, then we can just incorporate that at, at a later date. Right. Uh, but in a way that Bitcoin's kind of like that, where it can kind of look at outside um, groups that, that do those sorts of things that are popular. But um, when you look at that point's well taken within uh, the, the welcoming aspect of it. When you have that community, right? When you see uh, whether it's churches or CrossFit or, or vegan groups mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, the ones where they actually create an internal community, because that's what people are really searching for. Of course. People are always, they're always searching for that internal community of, of and, 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 you know, 50, just probably 50 years ago, uh, uh, 50 to 100 years ago, you would find that kind of in your local church. Mm -hmm. If you were Lutheran, you'd go to the local Lutheran community in whatever city you end up coming to or um, what have you. And you would kind of find that. And there was, you know, there was certain festivals every year that you would do. There was, you know, coffee and donuts, um, you know, after, after mass on, on Sundays and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what built up that community. And you could look to each other for that. 
and there is somewhat a lack of that that I see within BSV. Just I interact as a person that's probably somewhat um, uh, abrasive to, 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 to it, 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 with. Uh, it's easy I to be to abrasive be. with them. Easy to be abrasive with them. Yeah, but I mean, I I try to uh, to well, I I I shouldn't say that. Like that's trying to make myself cast in a good light. Um, I, I I am kind of a jerk uh, quite a few times. But when when you actually look within those communities and they're talking to each other uh, from the outside, they are very, you know, very supportive. And mm-hmm. you know, you're doing a great thing. And you know, you've got you know, oh yeah, you know, I I just onboarded somebody onto hand cash and and here let me send that person that you mm-hmm. just onboarded some money. And it's these people get these physical dings. I mean, Jeffrey Tucker uh, talked about that when when he first got introduced to Bitcoin years and years ago, when, you know, when when he first got converted. And that was his aha moment was that Mm -hmm. ding on his phone Mm -hmm. when that when that wallet registered that he'd gotten a payment and he just bought what ended up uh, he he sold Eric Voorhees, what ended up being like like a sixteen thousand dollar bow tie. With by the time that uh, that that Bitcoin uh, was was valued at in 2017, I think, so it it is like that. It seems to me that within um, uh, BSV and, and Bitcoin Cash as well, it's that that kind of that ding is mm-hmm. that uh, that that ritual within that within that group. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's so interesting to watch that process with bsv and it's you can also see what's valuable because you can see what things are improved upon so it's like it's so interesting that here they had this sort of hand cash handles thing but that was just one wallet and there's you know they have money button and they have these other wallets and everything and so a decision was made to be like well we need to be able to have something that we can expand out beyond this to all the wallets that we can do within our system and within the community to enable that that's a that's actually a super valuable and important it's not just about onboarding somebody right cuz like my business Cointext I think we've definitely given people more of any of the the wallets out there in the last year, I'm sure that we have onboarded more more no no corners to being Bitcoiners than anybody else. Um, just because you don't need to download a wallet to do it, and it's like, and there are people out there who are crazy about it. Um, probably some of the the tipper bots have done it too, but are you really in control of your funds? You know, that's that's tough to know one way or the other. So that that's great, right? That you can onboard somebody, but it's a completely different thing to be like. Okay, I onboarded you. Now I'm going to show you what our community is. And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there and my phone starts going off with money. People I don't know are sending me money. I mean, that just doesn't happen. To somebody who hasn't, that experience in and of itself, I think, is enough of a state break for most people to be like, okay, I'm interested to know more. What's happening here? What's going on? Who are these people? Where are they? How can I communicate with them? How are they sending me this money? And at that point, you've got them. You've got them. And so it's it's very interesting that um, 
it's it's interesting to see that that's a huge part of the value structure and more than anything though what's what's uh, what i find interesting especially as someone who's building uh, point of sale stuff and really trying to move funds i mean right now i'm working really hard on pay- payment protocol stuff to actually enable people to buy things again that's a bch cult thing that what they did with uh, the expansion into this paymail thing, which basically looks like an email, but it's not an email, but you use it to as basically an address alias across the whole BSV ecosystem of wallets, which is like four wallets or whatever. But um, the fact that that's clearly not designed to pay invoices or buy things or anything like that, it's enable it's it's clearly designed to reduce the friction and increase the capability of people to do that love bomb, that literal ding somebody some dong ritual love bomb, which is actually super smart, man. Like it's not something to scoff at. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's the the growth within that community. I think is going to be very interesting to watch. Um, and and what they value is going to be interesting to watch because they don't seem to be valuing the same thing. They don't seem to be valuing price. They really don't. They 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 were actually saying like it was a positive thing that they were delisted. And in some ways, it has been positive for the price because they're only on little exchanges. A tiny amount of volume moves it. The exchanges that they happen to be on are quite easy to manipulate. And you've seen their their price skyrocket since they were delisted so so it's like it's people need to be paying attention that that the rules are maybe not what they think they are well and and that and their one of the later um memes that they that they have in their community is uh number go up mm-hmm. is their their big ding on every other project right because mm-hmm. and it's not exactly unfair right because we all pay attention to the price and if we if we've been involved, uh, you know, in whatever whatever project we are, we're holding X amount of whatever. Mm-hmm. We would prefer that that number to be worth more than it than it than sure. it was. Right? It's, sure. it's almost as a valuation of our of our time and effort and and investment. Right? And where the BSV crowd is 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 they are actually mocking that concept of. Although I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. On their uh, on the long term um, of them holding on to that concept, but it is kind of interesting where their big thing is like number go up. It's not you know like we don't really care. Um, well, you, you know, have to right think about one whatever. reason why they don't care. I think the main reason why they don't care is that most of them are not holding that much because that's not what the value that they get is. The value that they yep. get is the the other human beings in the community. Uh, they're only holding enough so that they can participate in the ritual because that's what matters to them. And that's not like, that's, that's really something again, to not just ignore and not just let go because it's not enough. It's, it's almost like if you could combine all three, you've got, you've got Voltron, you know, and it almost makes you think that we're not done with forks. If there was a fork that was able to combine all three, which there probably will be, or that was able to better combine them, um, or you know, some you know, a generation from now, if if some of these things, as you say, are starting, if if we start to integrate them, but not to integrate the technology, like not 
that you know now they're talking about oh look at btc they're trying to add a new opcode that does what check data sig verify does on bch i'm not talking about that because i don't think those things are actually the important things i think the important things are the social things and are the rituals so it's like it's really all about not grabbing the technology or the opcodes or schnorr or whatever it is from the other chains you know that's that's kind of a, a feather in the belt if you're the one to put it out first knowing that somebody else has been talking about doing it i'm talking about the real practical things of building the community by reaching out and, and and sort of absorbing some of those rituals, just like, as you said, Hinduism, the Brahmins were able to, to bring it back by doing that from out of Buddhism. I, I think there's an opportunity for, for thought leaders in, in the various different chains to start doing that. And it will no doubt increase the number of people that are coming to your chain. Yeah. I think that within, within Bitcoin and BTC is that it's, that we that it, there's not that thing right there's the meme of stacking sats that but that's kind of very insular um and there's not that that ding effect that you mm -hmm. have right so there's not that you know you should buy bitcoin you know here's why and then i'm going to share bitcoin with you right especially i mean it, it's part of a feature of of bitcoin as it's been uh, done is, is you know the, the higher fees it doesn't make it as easy to do where you want to send somebody you, you know you, cents, no, you a dollar can't. two dollars you can't yeah on btc you can't do it and it's one of the but th but think about that for a second right and it just well not instantaneously it, i guess if you if you're willing to but it doesn't have that same effect of like me sending it to you and then exactly. depending on the mempool you know being filled it will, will will this you know show up in your wallet two hours from now or you know two days from now it or two weeks from effect. now or two weeks yeah. from now Right. So it's like it's not a guaranteed thing because the important thing here is also velocity. Right. So so you want to be able to. It's two parts and which is which is one of the reasons why when I built Cointext, I built it purposely as a zero conf so that it'll do chain dependencies. So where even though your your transaction still in the mempool, since it's on BCH, there's no replace by fee. Well, you can send it then immediately. And then that'll be in the mempool as well, chained to each other. So it's like two transactions become basically one tr chain transaction in the mempool. And you can actually do that, you know, like 20 times if you if you want to. It'll chain 20 times in the mem mempool like that. Um, and then they'll all confirm at one time. But that's actually super important for the sort of ritual that we we're talking about is that they can receive those funds and then let's say they could onboard somebody else or send it to some because it's not just about receiving it. It's about the sending it too, right? You want them to participate in the ritual as quickly as possible because the ritual is sending, right? You want to be a recipient, but you also want to be a sender because it's a communion between people. That's, that's, co that's social cohesion. And what's interesting is that you could say this. I could say what I'm saying right now to the average BTC maximalist and say, Hey dude, this is a super valuable thing that you are unable to do because of these high fees. So whatever you think about high fees and small blocks and whatever, one of the cons, if I said to them, one of the negatives of this is that you can't participate in doing this. I think I, I would wager that z exactly the number zero of them, would think that what I just said was of any value at all. That it's like, well, that wouldn't be a reason to have low fees. That makes no sense. 
That's not a good reason to have low fees. But I think that if you think about it in terms of, well, what are you trying to do here? Uh, if Bitcoin is a community, and if the value of Bitcoin increases with the network effect, and the network effect, especially if you expect everybody to run their own nodes, like if that's what secures the network, and if this is a way to bring more people into the network, and you're preventing that from happening, well, you've kind of screwed up, and you don't even see it. And so the this is this just shows you the level of the level of evolution of thought in this space that people aren't even thinking about these things. They're not even seeing these things, even though they're actually taking place, even though the case study is right in front of you. But of course, you're not going to see it if you just dismiss it like Vitalik and say, ah, it's just obviously a scam. Well, it's interesting. I mean, coming from, from Vitalik, but I, I think that that there are levels of ritual as well, right? So we talked about uh, uh, going back to to, to, to to Bitcoin BTC is that it's um, the the main rituals, you know, running your own full node, validating mm -hmm. your own transactions, um, and and, and a lightning online. node now, and a lightning node. Yep, and and I think that when you look at within religions as well, is that there's different levels of rituals right mm -hmm. so there's that kind of that first ritual of you know you kind of uh becoming part of the community right and mm -hmm. i think that you see that uh you know on twitter or wherever it may be and and uh, twitter seems to be like the the biggest spot um i don't really see that as much activity like on facebook or um i'm not oh, really no. i've never no. been a i've never been a reddit person so i just i've never congregated there at all well, um, anybody but, in a Reddit subreddit is already sort of in the community, right? So the thing yeah, with Twitter true. is that it's kind of it, – that's where you can get your newbies. I think what you're talking about is like – I mean, could we call it baptism? Like that as yeah. a first ritual being baptism? In, yeah, kind of like, well, you know, because usually when you come into a, a faith is right, you get first invited usually or or whatever is going on in your life, like that speaks to you. You come in and, mm -hmm. and you talk and then you kind of witness it. Um, mm -hmm. you look at what they're doing and, and then, you know, you start to get kind of educated and they'll tell you like, oh, well, here's what we believe and here's why. And then, you know, that person finally kind of goes like, okay, I'm ready to take that first step and right in the baptism, right? You should mm -hmm. be, you know, um, I went and bought, you know, a hundred dollars of Bitcoin and Coinbase or uphold mm -hmm. or, yep, yep. or cash app. Right. Yep. And, um, and then, then you're kind of like, that was like kind of your baptism, right? Your, your first Mm -hmm. uh, initial it's not it's not apples to apples you know because it's it's, it's not going to be the same but but it uh, but it, it is a commit it is because it's a commitment right yeah so like that's part of the whole thing about baptism is that it's like you're going to come out here and you're going to trust the priest he's going to dunk you he's going to ritually uh you know you're going to be somebody different at the end mm -hmm. when you come back up you're somebody different right you're literally uh, uh or not literally symbolically a different person and that's kind of what it is when you go from no coiner to Bitcoiner, right? So it's like once you're a Bitcoiner, you can never go back to having never had Bitcoin before. And and then you yeah, and then but then you graduate, right? And mm -hmm. but I, I see is within Bitcoin is that um BTC is that you, you can buy that first hundred dollars and then you know on on and ever you know, and to somewhat extent, you know, people be like, Oh great, but you know you need to 
you know, you need to run your own full node. You need to have this mm-hmm. on, on some sort of secured wallet. You don't want to keep this on custodial uh, sources and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and the, 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 the biggest hang up I see is that, um, is that it's there, there's not, and I have, you know, well, I guess in this context, it's a good term. I have faith that we're uh, going to come up with better, you know, technology. Because one one of the other things that fits into this is that uh, user experience, user interfaces are just, uh, some of them are actually, they're like 10 times better than they were, say, even like three years ago. Sure. Uh, but I think that's one of the biggest things is that to me, we're not going to see mass adoption of, fill in the blank of whatever your your um, thesis is until you make that the default lazy option, if that makes sense. Like mm. if, if uh, it, well, we, we kind of have a little bit of room to go as well. We talked about, you know, let's say 12 years ago, if you wanted to secure your your wealth or hedge against inflation and, and, and central bank policies, you'd buy gold. Yep. Um, and preferably you take possession of that actual gold. Right. Uh, and, but that was still a pretty niche group of people that actually did that. Mm-hmm. But um, it, when, when we're talking about, you know, the, I think the reason that gold failed as far as for within the libertarian concept of trying to convert the world or at least your nation, um, the geographic, uh, the populace that lives in your geographic area is that it's not the, the easiest thing to do. It's way easier to go and deposit your check into Wells Fargo and accidentally overdraw on occasion and pay the $20 fee and next paycheck kind of makes up for it and whatever you mm-hmm. keep on going living your life. Whereas, you know, doing the smart thing is saving and all that. It's, it's, it's more difficult. So I, I, I really, I don't see us succeeding in whatever thesis it is until that's like the default lazy solution, because people will always choose one like historically from what I've ever been able to, to research is that people always trade security for, you know, safety and ease of use or whatever, fill in the blank. Like they will always ch- choose to do that. If it, if the, if the other options easier. So let me, so let me throw, let me that. throw something out here. Let me throw something out here. This is, and this is a realization that I had maybe five, six months ago about this, because I used to think the same thing. Right. And and obviously, I mean, you look at the projects that I that I work on, I'm I'm all about ease of use. Right. And my whole thing has always been if it was just easier to use, more people would adopt it. And I think that that's it's true to a point uh, in that there there needs to be f- very little friction for the baptism happening and for those ritual things that need to take place to enable the person to uh, become a full-fledged member of the community. But beyond that, it's diminishing returns. Uh, because what, I, what I've what i come to start to believe now, and it's why you've probably uh, seen me talking about uh, Bitcoin as a multi-generational project, is because when I look at it in the vein of religion, and I look at how religions took over the world, you basically have uh, two sets of individuals. At first, you have Converts, obviously, everybody has to be a convert. But eventually, converts are 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 there are far fewer converts than there are people born into the faith who are by by their birth 
members of this faith. And we're in the early, because still, although crypto is on crypto time, there's still human time. Like it's regardless of how long it takes for a, you know, for a transaction to move around the world, it still takes a human being nine months to gestate. So we still have that limit. And then it takes them however many years to become even old enough to be able to be a, a, a an economic actor within the marketplace. So, you know, I, I mean, being a part of the Free State Project, seeing the families that were there. And again, some people might call that a cult. Uh, the behavior is very much all there for it to be a religion. Um, and I was certainly love-bombed and love-bombed my way right to moving my family up there. And and well worth it, too. Like, a great cult to be a part of. Again, I'm not... There's nothing pejorative about a cult at all. It can be absolute... There are bad cults and good cults. And I think the good cults far outweigh the bad cults. Um, Would... Sorry to interject, but wouldn't you say that that the human, like just to to be a fully developed or at least to to live on some sort of level of happiness as a human, that you need a cult? Oh, for one hundred percent in your life, yes. And and traditionally in the West, right? At least within our you know our 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 known experiences that we kind of are used to, right? There's traditional religions that usually have filled that now. Um, I think we talked about that on, on a past episode of, you know, like CrossFit and veganism mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff has now kind of come. But I think that the people who don't have that um, or don't have well-developed or uh, I don't want to say high quality, but I, I don't know a better word to use it. But people that don't have a high quality cult in their life are the ones that are usually the most lost and and the most depressed or don't have, 100%. you know, whatever they have. They have the the issue in their life. The issues in their life that they're not able to actually fully function in society as a or just be happy and be be content as a human. Well, you need a tribe. You know, our our psyche, our biology, everything about us evolved a, a vast majority of the evolution of human beings since we've been on this planet. The 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 functional organizational unit was the tribe. And I think that as we got into these larger units, um, those tribes started to take the form of these religious cults. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it because you have to make an internal separation, right? Like the people around you, they speak the same language, they eat the same food, they're from the same place, but they're not like you. And anyway, even if they were like you, you can't interact with more than, you know, what do they say that it's like 125 people or something is this magic number to where you can actually have relationships with all of them or so. I I may be wrong. It may be closer to 200, but it's, it's low. And so that, you know, people gravitate towards, that's about the size of a, of a church, you know? So the average church congregation. And so people, this replaces the, the tribe that we literally need down to our like biological. We have a a, a deep seated need for, for that uh, relationship with other people in that sort of size of a group where we can say that they're, they're in groups and out groups. But this is the reason why, I, I don't think that the adoption of Bitcoin is a technological problem. I think it's a religious problem. And I think that, you know, I have children, you have children, and, you know, my kids are very young. They're going to be raised their whole lives around because I plan on spending the rest of my life in this space. I've never found I've never run across anything in my entire lifetime that I'm so fascinated by every day and interested in. And I, I know how much I don't know. And I know that I could spend the rest of my life uh, 
gaining that knowledge and that the the scope of that knowledge grows even more every day. There's more to learn. There's more that is uh, created to be learned each day than I can learn in a day. So it's like, so it's sustainable. It's endless. I can get, this is a great journey that I can go on and that I'll, that I'll be happy to be on. And that means something. It gives my life meaning and they're going to be raised around it. So it's just like if I was a, you know, hardcore Christian and they were raised in a Christian household and maybe they fall in with it and they really like it and maybe they don't, but there will be a percentage that will. And as the generations pass and those traditions pass on, those will be things. And to where it's just in the DNA of a certain group of people, especially as some of us entrepreneurs start to build out businesses that we can pass on to our family, that's what's going to do it. And, you know, as fast as crypto may move, I think that we are actually going to hit a, uh, a user experience and technology wall within maybe the next 20 years where there's not really anything left except the religion, uh, where there's nothing left to really be developed. There's things to maintain and whatnot, but basically the technology is about as good as it's going to get, which is kind of the place we're at with paper money, to be honest. And it's it's really kind of the place that we're at with like credit cards, debit cards. Uh, you know, you can add little kind of UIs, but the Visa network is the Visa network is the Visa network. Um, and that's good. That's sort of where it's at. Banking is banking is banking is banking. And Bitcoin's eventually going to reach that place. And it's not going to be too long. And so what will be left and where adoption is going to happen is it's going to happen on the cultural side, on the on the religious side. And so I think paying attention to the those cults which look the most like they could become the great religion of the future. Uh, and, and mind you, you got to have a little historical background because you go back to like the Mormons with Joseph Smith or like Jesus, uh, you know, getting nailed to a cross you would think like, oh, that's not a good look for this cult. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I think that's the thing. That's all she wrote, folks. Like, they just killed the savior. Uh, they just killed their leader. So I think it's over. Uh, but you got to kind of look a little bit further. You got to kind of look at where the basis is to see, well, why didn't that kill off the cult? And um, I think there's some some great examples of things that are happening in Bitcoin right now. It's it, it is by far this is the this is the Bible times. Uh, the biblical age of Bitcoin. And so it's super exciting to be a part of it. Yeah. If you look at, I mean, you, you know, talking about the Mormons is that w when we think about um, um, Mormonism and, and, and just kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't want to compare the two necessarily, but just kind of very broad stroke of uh, Mormonism of compared to traditional Christianity mm -hmm. um, or mainstream Christianity is that, when you look at some of the history of what Joseph Smith had kind of done earlier in his life, um, or especially Brigham Young, um, they, they were what you could at periods of their life or some of their actions, depending on when you're judging them from historically, you could say that they're kind of unsavory and the way they were that they Craig Wright people are, they were Craig Wright. Yeah. And they may not be, um, you know, Mormonism definitely in the last, uh, you know, probably 60, 70 years has gone leaps and bounds mm -hmm. as far as for their ability to, uh, um, well, I mean, it, it's actually been really, it's one of the things is I was the only non-Mormon in my Boy Scout troop hmm. as a kid. I mean, um, my hometown so, is a more, is a, was settled by Mormons as well. So they were, there were tons of them around me as a kid as well. Yeah. And we, we, we lived in, um, 
the part of Idaho that we lived in for a period of time was basically kind of like Northern Utah. Mm. And, uh, cause that was all kind of like the, the state of desert, um, right, back in the right. day. And, uh, it was, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but anyway, yeah, yeah, they, right. uh, it's a really interesting, I've always been fascinated, um, Me too. Um, by them just because their, their, their ability to, to survive and thrive has, has been quite impressive. And, but yeah, to, to throw it back to, to BSV, as much as like I've been antagonistic with them, I also have to um, give it to them in the short period of time that they have been around, that they've been able to survive in the way that they have and, uh, you know, implode or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's very interesting to see the way that they operate. And also for me to, you know, to, to use the Mormon example as well is that just because outside in, you may be going like, well, this is not legitimate and this is not, um, mm -hmm. you know, real Bitcoin and whatever else you want to say, that doesn't mean that X is not going to, I mean, shoot. I mean, we saw a peer coin name coin. Exactly. Um, exactly. I mean, I mean, shit. Dogecoin is, is a uh, part of my French Dogecoin is, is survived just on being a meme. Nothing else, and and none of those which have is amazing. zealots. I remember mining Dogecoin in 2013. Yeah, it was well. None of those have zealots either. You know, so it's like all yeah, of those, true. all of those have survived, and none of those have zealots. And then here's one that has how many coins have zealots? Really? I mean, Litecoin to an extent, somewhat. I mean, they have the Litecoin evangelist pay with Litecoin, but <sighs> not to the same extent. The Litecoin. Litecoin evangelists to me are, I mean, when I talk, none of them, and this is what, what is always kind of like pointed to me that I don't have a lot of faith in Litecoin as long-term projects right. that they, they don't have that toxicity no. that, you know, that, that people, you know, they don't have anybody going like, you know, screw you. Litecoin is the future. I don't care what you think, you know, pay with Litecoin. Litecoin is going to overtake you know, whatever, right? It's always been, well, it's, you know, it's, we're kind of friends with everybody <laughs> and, you know, we're complimentary and right. it just kind of, I don't know, that does not like, nobody's, to me, nobody's attracted to that other than hoping if I buy it a hundred, it'll go to a thousand. Other than that, like nobody's attracted to like, oh, I want to join this group. And, you know, because I'm really attracted to this idea that we're kind of like everybody else, but not really, but kind of, yes. Well, and Dash has Dash has zealots, but those those zealots are on the wane because they were all being paid from out of the treasury, and now that the price has fallen, uh, and the core devs have decided to pay themselves more, the treasury has steadily dwindled. So there, they mm -hmm. had paid mouthpieces, right? But the BSV supporters, the the most the most zealotrous, they're organic. Yeah, they're doing it for free. They're doing it for free for the passion of it. Like you can't, when you see that, you got to take note. You got to take note. Well, and you can't buy that kind of loyalty no. that, that you see in there. And no. that it is somewhat reminds me a bit of kind of like earlier, uh, you know, the, the 2012, 2013 Bitcoin mm -hmm. um, where people were, I mean, granted everybody that was kind of getting involved to, to an extent, um, had a monetary incentive in a way of going like, well, one day, you know, this may be, you know, the world's reserve currency and, but it was still hope banks and all that kind of stuff. It but, was still faith. Yeah, right? It was it, still hope. It, it wasn't it, like, yeah. Ooh, it really will go up. That, that like, at least it yeah. wasn't for me. Like I bought it 15. Like, and, and this tells you, I know 
because I still have the email and I bring it out and I show it to people sometimes. So I was just buying hand to hand on local Bitcoin. And then um, one of the guys that I was buying from, I've got the email where it's like late December 2012. And he's like, hey, man, I just got back from L.A. I've got like a tranche of 100 Bitcoin that I will sell to you at 10% above spot. And I was like, okay, well, what's that going to be? And he said, $14.25. And my response back is, I don't know. That seems a little expensive to me. And then in November, it went up to 1000 So I know where my head was at in terms of, you know, uh, is the value of this thing going to go up any anytime soon? In December 2012, I didn't believe that. That's not why I was buying it. That's not what I was buying it for. And I think that that's a lot closer to where the mentality of BSV folks is. And the thing is, that's actually proven to be the right mentality to have because the people who got involved and had that mentality at that time are now basically the the people who have benefited the most over over the life of bitcoin at this point. And so, you know, there's a very good chance that uh if they keep building this community out and you know, they've got the people who have the funds who keep manipulating the market in the way that they mm-hmm. are. And again, it's like, hey, there am I going to hate on them for finding a way to manipulate the market and manipulate their price? Like what I'm not them. I'm not saying like, Oh, bring in the, bring in the, the regulators and blah, blah. I'm not my principles say, you know what? They figured out a way to do it. So there you go. They figured out how to, how to, uh, you know, play the game. It's not cheating. It's just the same way. Kind of like, you know, shark pool, right? Playing within the, the rules that exist already within, within the market that you're, that you're operating in. Yeah. I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on that. I mean, it's for, I, I, people shouldn't be, uh, you know, shouldn't be fooled or naive into believing that it's somehow organic and it's somehow a measure of, you know, mm-hmm. the overall marketplace saying uh, Craig Wright is Satoshi or something like that. But by the same token, it's like, hey, at least give credit to them for actually pro- make, taking lemons and making lemonade. Or maybe it was lemonade to begin with that they got delisted from all those exchanges. Maybe they wanted to get delisted. Maybe it's 5D chess. I don't know, but either way, it's worked out good for them. And so I got to give them credit for that. You know what I mean? Like, great. And so I look at that and I'm like, ooh, nobody else is doing this. This is actually smart what they're doing. Uh, don't don't count them out. Don't count them out. Well, do you do you see, I mean, even out maybe outside of Bitcoin as well, um, do you see anybody that is somewhat understanding that playbook um and if not um just just kind of you know zoom out and and uh be as objective as as we can we could be um what do you think would be the best way for people in 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 uh not bsv bitcoin chains if they want to kind of capture that same narrative to be able to uh um not necessarily. I, I, I'm not. I, I don't have any confidence in their ability to actually become the chain, right? But, but uh, uh, to kind of capture that that same sort of market share. Okay, so I I think that if anybody goes out to try to do this consciously, they're going to fail horribly because I don't think that religions are born consciously. I think that um, 
I don't think Craig Wright is doing this consciously. He does have a degree in theology. It's probably some of the things that he he knows and has learned um, and his interests have probably been in this direction. Uh, well, there's no doubt they've been in this direction. You don't go and study theology if you have no uh, and get a Ph.D. if you have no interest in um, which is his, his which is, by the way, in my mind, his only legit Ph.D. that is like really provable, that is undisputed is a doctor and it's i guess i don't know if a theology doctorate it's a doctorate um i don't know if it's a phd it's a doctorate though of of theology if you're not interested in religion so i think that this is basically happening organically you've got a sort of a messianic figure he's claiming to be something uh, basically claiming to be the risen christ claiming to be the messiah he's very confident about it um he has you know been able to sway some people he's had some help in that movement from getting co-signed by people like roger veer um and it's taken it to where it is and it's it's got all of the things that a cult has and i think that it sort of just manifested itself organically i would say that that it's going to be there and it's going to be the cult and it's going to be attracting it's going to attract people who want to be in that type of a cult but i think that uh Really, what people have to do is they just have to find something that they can work on. And that's been the most important thing for me about BCH is I look at BTC and there's nothing there for me to work on. You know, I think that that's why a lot of these developers uh, um, are going towards lightning because it's like, oh, God, finally, finally, it's not just like this granite rock that there's nothing more that can be done. Like, finally, I can actually work on something. Finally, there's something that, you know, as engineers, we want to solve problems. Like, finally, there's some problems to be solved. It's not just stagnant and unchanging. Um, that's what, you know, that's what excites me about BCH. It's that chain. So what people need to do is they, if, they, if they care for a chain to grow, they've got to find something where they can add some value. And hodling is not adding value. Um, just being another validating node is not, in my opinion, it's not adding value. Um, you know, it can give you some value from a, a standpoint of, well, the I think the price of Bitcoin is going to go up in the medium term. Uh, I think it's eventually going to be flipped by one of the other two, but I think that's still a long ways off. That could be like a decade away. So if you want to hold and do all of that, that's fine. But to attach some sort of uh, morality to it seems a little strange to me. Um, if I was going to attach morality to something, I'd attach it onto actually building something which looks like it's only happening on those two other chains, but also Ethereum. Um, they just, you know, they still, they don't have that sort of cult aspect. I think some of that is because people are not working on Ethereum per se, but they're working on their own little project. That's a smart contract based thing that's on Ethereum. So you don't get that, that sort of uh, cohesion that you do when, when it's a single token. And you may see some of that broken apart by these SLP tokens. That may that that may end up breaking apart the BCH community uh, and taking cohesion away in the same way that that it uh, was taken away with um, in Ethereum. So, yeah, I don't think that consciously uh, people will be able to bring those things in. But I think that if people are conscious and they do see those things happening, that they can amplify them. You know, that if they see, oh, here's a cool ritual that people have started to pick up kind of all on their own, it's like add to that, amplify it, do it more. Um, but it's going to be really hard to like consciously insert anything. That's, that's not how uh, effective rituals happen. They evolve organically.
Yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of saw, you still see, see this a bit with the Bitcoin Pizza Day, and you saw Lightning Pizza and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. kind of jump up. But that that's a once a year thing. That's not a, a daily thing. So, um, yeah, I I I think that that's it. It is really difficult because when you're absolutely right, when when it feels forced, that's when people are just kind of like, eh, you know, like. Eh. Right. Okay, you know, like, you know, thought leaders or people that buy in will participate in it. But, you know, it's the same thing as um, like a viral meme. Uh, the right. ones that feel forced and, and someone's trying to make something a meme that's not really. You'll get the people, especially if it's from somebody with like a high follower count. Like you'll have a certain amount of likes and retweets just based on on how popular they are. But when when it's something that actually captures that that imagination of the public that's when you see it just jump and it just goes crazy. And even people who have been, you know, in, in the space, whatever it is, you know, even within uh, understanding what memes and, and the power of them are, are usually like the popular ones are the ones that they get caught, caught off guard by. It just kind of happens. Yes. And, and a lot of times it's until long afterwards, like you don't really understand why, why it did, did capture that attention. It's, it's a very, um, you know, it, it's, I guess it's, it's a modern day magic, I guess. In a way. Well, 100%. I mean, it's, uh, we're, I think we're returning to an age of magic and Bitcoin is after all magic internet money. So I think it's more than, you know, if you're going to have communities of magic and, and sort of religious communities, I think magic internet money is a great totem for that. You know, it's kind of like the, the magic man in the sky. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome, man. And um, uh, you know we've we've uh, it's been going actually I, I kind of lost track of time there, <laughs> uh, and I want to be cognizant of uh, of the fact that uh, you know you've got other obligations and everything like that. So how can uh, people get a hold of you and uh, find out what you're up to? Vinarmani.com. There's uh, you know podcast episodes, uh, links to my my book and my other links, um, and uh, at Vinarmani on Twitter, Cointex.io is my company. 42 countries so you're probably if you're listening to this within one of the countries that we support go and check that out uh so yeah that's about it well thanks again i always uh really really enjoy our conversations and thanks for coming on same same i always enjoy it as well it is my pleasure and i'm uh, happy to come back on anytime thanks so much